What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled, as always, by the lovely folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to part three of our four-part episode zero, kicking off the 2018-2019 NFL regular season and playoffs. If you joined us last week, we went through a complete prediction for the NFC, including division winners, and wildcard teams this week, the New England Patriots and the AFC take center stage. We're going to do the exact same thing. So if you haven't listened to the NFC predictions, here's a very quick rundown of exactly what we're doing. But I highly encourage you to go back, listen to the NFC predictions, because I go a little bit more in depth about why I chose to do things this way. So for each division and the four teams that are in each division, the way that I looked at this was I looked at what was their record last season, what has been their average record over the last three seasons, and looked at notable stretches in each of their schedules. When do they play back-to-back home games? When do they play back-to-back road games? Do they have three in a row of either one of those? So I wanted to look at those, look at bye week positioning, and then in terms of predicting the actual record, going to predict breaking it down based on both a ceiling and a floor, how that team might do in their division games against the other conference division that they have to play against the external conference division that they have to play as well as the rest of their games. So by the end of it, we have a ceiling and a floor in terms of their final record, and ultimately my final prediction for where they'll finish the season. So that's how we did things for the NFC. Before we get into doing that for the AFC, I wanna take a second once again to plug the Pick'em Leagues. I did this last week, and in my personal Pick'em League, our Pick'em League for season seven, the numbers went from seven to 12 in terms of entries, so that's excellent for the one week. Let's see if we can't push it closer to 20 by next week. So if you want to join the Pick'em League, put your picks head-to-head against mine, employing the confidence point system. Here's what you have to do. Go to football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash Pick'em. Link there that says join group. In the group ID field, you're going to want to put in 3361. Once again, that's 3361. And in the password field, put in 123 four five six seven eight nine just go up your number pad join the pick'em pool we had i think it was close to like we had like 35 last season and that was pretty close to the most we've ever had let's see if we can't top that this season but we got to start somewhere let's see if we can't get close to 20 also this season going to be plugging the official nfl youtube prognosticators pick'em pool and that is a pool that will make picks based on the spread so picks are going to be against the spread in that league if you want to put your ats picks head to head against some of the best progs in the game do the exact same thing football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash pick'em go to the join group link in the group ID field, you're going to want to put in 3339. Once again, that was 3339. And in the password field, just the word PROG, all lowercase letters, P R O G, P R O G as the password. And that's going to get you in to put your against the spread picks head to head against some of the best PROGs in the community, some of the best cappers in the game. So, 
head-to-head, straight-up picks against mine, against the spread picks, against not only mine, but many others within the prognostication community. Go to the football.fantasysports.yahoo.com link and join up in those groups. Let's have some fun, some friendly, some healthy competition. Let's have some fun this season. All right, folks, it's time. Full AFC predictions. We're going to start at the top in the AFC East. In each division, we take the teams alphabetically. So let's get started with the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo, obviously a surprise playoff team last season, finished last season 9-7, and seven, which was slightly above the three-season average for the Bills over the last three years. They've really just treaded water at 8-8. Eight and eight. The Bills have two stretches each this season where they get to play back-to-back home games and back-to-back road games. Now, the back-to-back roadies come earlier in the season. The back-to-back home games are actually in pretty favorable positions. They play back-to-back at home in weeks 8 and 9, as well as weeks 14 and 15. The Bills have two stretches each this season where they get to play back-to-back home games and have to play back-to-back road games. Now, the home games, the back-to-back home games come Basically, in the second half of the season, they play back-to-back at home in weeks 8 and 9, as well as weeks 14 and 15. The back-to-back road games, they actually get them out of the way early, weeks 3 and 4, as well as weeks 6 and 7. But what that does mean is it means four road games in five weeks, that stretch from week 3 to week 7. That's going to be a tough stretch for the Bills. Buffalo's bye week, like the bye week of every team in this division, comes in week 11. Week 11, I hope you're not an AFC East fan, because it's going to be a lonely week for you. For Buffalo, this is probably an enthusiastic ceiling, but I think their ceiling there is actually probably 5-1. and one. I could conceive of them beating Miami twice, beating New York twice, and splitting with New England. Now, bear in mind, that's a ceiling. That is absolute best case scenario. Then we talk about the floor, which is basically worst case scenario. If there's some injuries happen, they're just playing bad football, what's the floor there? I think their floor is two and four. I can see them losing both games to New England and probably splitting with both Miami and New York. I don't see them losing both games, against Miami or both games against New York, so that's why I've got their floor at 2-4. and four. This season, the AFC East has to play every team as well in the AFC South. So we're talking Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. Their ceiling there, Buffaloes, I think is probably 2-2. Two and two. I think there's, like, the AFC South, I think, is going to be a pretty good division this year. I mean, Jacksonville, obviously, was a really good team last year. Tennessee was a surprise, finishing over 500. Houston's a better team than their record from last season indicates. Indy is getting Andrew Luck back, so that's the big question mark, obviously the biggest question mark in that division. I think Buffalo's ceiling is only 2-2 two and two there. There's teams in the AFC South that I think they can beat. Like, I think they can beat Indianapolis and they can beat Tennessee. I think they probably don't beat Houston and they probably don't beat Jacksonville. So, I'm only going to give them a ceiling of 2-2. Two and two. The floor there is 0-4. I could see Buffalo conceivably losing all four of those games. The AFC East also has to play the NFC North this season. So we're looking at Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota. Buffalo, I think they're sealing there, as well as with their other two AFC opponents they have to play. 
I'm going to give him a four and two ceiling. I think there's there's a couple of teams in the NFC North that I think Buffalo is capable of beating, and then they probably split. Maybe they win their other two AFC games. Four and two, I think, is probably best case scenario for Buffalo in those games. The floor is two and four. I mean, there's the NFC North has really good teams in it. At least three really good teams. And even four, potentially, if Chicago plays up to what their best case scenario could very well be. I'm still going to give them like a two and four. I think they probably split with their other two AFC opponents. And they could probably win one of those games in the NFC North. So as bad as it could get, I'm going to go two and four. Overall, for the Buffalo Bills, that leaves a ceiling of 11 and five and a floor of four and 12. So, I mean, this could be a 10, 11 win football team. They could hit double digits or it could be a lot worse than it was last season and a lot worse than it's been over the last few. It could be like a four win team. My final prediction for the Bills, unfortunately, I think they're closer to their floor than they are to their ceiling. I'm only willing to go about 6-10 and 10 for the Bills because I have questions about the pass game. I think they're going to have to depend too much on the run game, and I think teams are going to pick up on that very, very quickly. Not that Buffalo's not talented at that. They are, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not feeling it with the Bills this season, so I'm only willing to go 6-10. and 10. Speaking of 6-10, and 10, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. That was their record last season, the Ryan Tannehill-less Miami Dolphins, 6-10. and 10. Over the last three seasons, they've averaged 7-9, and nine, so a little bit worse than Buffalo, but they did have one good season in there. Miami has two stretches in the schedule where they get to play back-to-back games at home. Those come in weeks 6 and 7 as well as in weeks 13 and 14. So they get one relatively early in the season and they get another one later in the season, which is actually a nice way to split it up. They only have to play back-to-back road games once this season. Those come in week four and five, heading into one of those back-to-back home stretches. Inside the division, I think the ceiling and the floor is just a little bit lower in both cases than it was with Buffalo. Inside the division, I'm going to give Miami a ceiling of 4-2, and two, simply because I don't think they beat New England. I don't think they have the firepower anymore. They don't have Jarvis Landry. I just don't see Miami as having the firepower anymore to beat New England even one time. So that's two losses immediately there. Best case scenario, they could sweep Buffalo or sweep the Jets. I could see that potentially happening, but I'm only willing to give them a ceiling of four and two. The floor is one and five. I could see them losing both games against New England, both games against either Buffalo or New York, and then splitting with the other team. Things could go really bad for Miami this year, even with Tannehill coming back. Sort of the same situation with Buffalo. Like you lose one of your biggest weapons and what have you got left on offense? The AFC South, I think it's exactly the same as it was with Buffalo. I'm going to give Miami a two and two ceiling. I think they could potentially beat Indianapolis if things go really bad. And I think maybe they could even step to Tennessee I think they probably lose to Houston and lose to Jacksonville. So we're going to go 2-2 two and two as a ceiling for Miami. The floor there is 0-4 because if things go really well for Indy and go how they went last season for Tennessee, I think Tennessee's a better team. Miami could realistically lose all of those games. 
And the story is also the same against the NFC North and the other AFC opponents. I got the ceiling for Miami there at four and two. There's teams in the NFC North. I think they could potentially step to and upset. And then obviously there are other AFC opponents. Anything can happen there inside the conference. And I think the floor is two and four because the NFC North is a good division. They could potentially lose all of those games, but I think maybe they get like one win out of the NFC North and maybe split with their AFC opponents. So we're going to give them a floor of two and four. Overall for the Miami Dolphins, I'm giving them a ceiling of 10 and six and a floor of three and 13. That is just below Buffalo in both respects by one game. But I'm going to give them the same final record. I think this is once again a 6-10 and 10 football team. I don't think Miami is particularly good on the defensive side. I think the defense is just going to be stretched too much by the fact that the offense, even with Ryan Tannehill back, can't move the ball as effectively as it used to because it obviously doesn't have one of the best receiving uh, receivers in football anymore. So I'm going to give them the same record. I'm going to go 6-10. and 10. On to the New England Patriots, who won this division last season with a record of 13-3, and which also happens to be their last three-season average, which is the best in the AFC. Schedule makers got a little creative with New England's schedule, actually, as well as New York's, which we'll talk about in a second. New England does get the coveted back-to-back-to-back home games. They play those early in the season, weeks 4 five and six they also get another stretch of back-to-back home games to close out the season weeks 16 and 17 the give back there is they have three stretches where they have to play back-to-back games on the road we're talking about weeks two and three heading into that three straight home games week seven and eight on the other end of that three straight home games as well as weeks 14 and 15 heading into that last back-to-back home game stretch so look it's it's big chunks for new england it's three you know two straight on the road three straight at home two straight on the road yada 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 not a lot of back and forth for the patriots Inside the division, I think New England's ceiling should be obvious. It's 6-0. and I mean, they could sweep this division. They've done it before. They could very easily do it again. I think the floor is like 3-3. Three and three. If things go as bad as they could possibly go for New England, outside of like a Tom Brady injury, which would be catastrophic, I think they could realistically like split with each of the teams. There's no teams in there that I think New England loses to twice. But I mean, anybody can get upset. So we're going to go with a floor of three and three against the AFC South. I think the ceiling there has to be four and oh, you have to believe that new England is capable of beating anybody in the AFC because they've done it so much. So I think the ceiling there is four and oh, the floor is one and three. I mean, they could lose to Jacksonville and that great defense. They could lose to Houston. If Deshaun Watson is just playing completely out of his mind And they could get upset by either Indianapolis or Tennessee because anything can happen. I don't think they lose all of those games. They take at least one game out of the AFC South. So that's why I'm only giving them a floor of one and three. Now against the NFC North and the rest of their AFC opponents, I'm going to give them a ceiling of five and one. And that's strictly because I don't think they beat everybody in the NFC North. Uh, There's got to be a game in there that they lose either to Minnesota or to Green Bay. I don't think this is a perfect football team, even with Tom Brady. You can't 
conceive that this is a perfect football team. So I'm going to give them a five and one ceiling. I think the floor there is three and three because there's some NFC North teams that they could lose to, could get upset by, or even with the AFC, the other couple of AFC games that they have going, there's it's, there's a possibility exists that they could get upset in one of those games. So we're going to go with a floor of three and three. Overall for the Patriots, probably no surprises here. The ceiling for me is 15 and 1. It's not a perfect ceiling, but it's about as close as you can get. 15 and 1 ceiling and a 7 and 9 floor. I will leave the door ajar just a little bit that this could potentially be a sub 500 team if things go about as bad as humanly possible. Final record for the New England Patriots, I'm going to give them a 12-4. and four. I don't think they're quite as good as last season, but I think they're still easily a double-digit win football team. 12 just feels right to me. It's closer to the ceiling than it is to the floor. So that's just that's just what I'm feeling in this one. So we're going to go 12-4, and four, and surprise, surprise, once again, the New England Patriots win the AFC East division. And we'll close things out with the New York Jets coming off of a 5-11 regular season last year, which was below their three-season average, which sits the same as Miami at 7-9. Now clearly, whoever made the Jets' schedule also made New England's schedule because it looks exactly the same. The dates are just shifted a little bit. The Jets also get that coveted back-to-back-to-back home games. They get those from weeks 5-7. to They also get a back-to-back home stretch late, very late in the season, weeks 15 and 16. Once again, like it was with New England, the give back there is they have three periods where they have to play back-to-back games away from home. That's weeks 3 and 4, 8 and 9, and 13 and 14. Inside the division, I view the Jets the exact same way that I view the Dolphins. I think the ceiling there is 4-2 and because I don't think they beat New England, but they could potentially sweep the other two. And the floor there is 1-5. I think they get a win off of either Miami or Buffalo, but they could realistically lose both games to New England, which will probably happen, and could even get swept by one of those other teams. But I do think they take a game somewhere. Actually, Miami's a great comparable here because I've got the exact same projection against the AFC South as well as the NFC North and the rest of their games as I had for Miami. For the Jets, I think the ceiling against the AFC South is 2-2. The floor is 0-4. They could potentially lose all of those games depending on how Andrew Luck comes back from his injury. And against the NFC North and the rest, I think the ceiling is 4-2. I mean, they could win those games against their other AFC opponents and take two games out of the NFC North, maybe. The floor there is two and four. They could do very poorly against the NFC North because that's a good division and kind of just middling against the AFC. Overall for the Jets, again, same story as it was with Miami. I've given them a ceiling of 10 and six, leaving the door open that maybe they could be a double digit win team if things go as well as they possibly could. Or they could be 3-13 and and an absolute dumpster fire worse than they were last season. But my final record projection, my final prediction for the New York Jets is that they finish the season 7-9. and It's a two-game improvement over last season. It matches the three-season average because I don't think the Jets have lost on their team like Buffalo has, and like Miami has. So that's why I'm giving them that one extra game where they can say, hey, we finished second place in the AFC East. Granted, we were under 500, but we still finished second place. 
Let's go to the AFC North now where we're going to look at Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Now the AFC North has to play four games against the AFC West as well as four games against the very tough NFC South. Let's start with the Ravens here, which may be one of the toughest teams in the NFL to try to project this season. Last season, they were 9-7, finished over 500, second in the division. The three-season average is under 500. It's 7-9. This is a team that is starting to struggle. The Joe Flacco, is he elite conversation, is probably four to five years dead by this point. But it's always fun to keep mentioning it. Baltimore does get to play back-to-back home games, obviously a very good home team, one of the best home teams in football. They get to play back-to-back at home just once this season in weeks 11 and 12. They have to face back-to-back-to-back road games from weeks 4 to 6 and a back-to-back road stretch after their back-to-back home stretch in weeks 13 and 14, both of those things coming right out of their bye, which is in week 10. Inside the division, I'm going to give Baltimore a ceiling of 5-1. and one. I think best case scenario, they split with Pittsburgh and sweep both Cincinnati and Cleveland. But the floor there is 2-4. and four. They could lose both of those games to Pittsburgh and split with the other two teams. Yes, even Cleveland. Because, you know, Cleveland's going to be an interesting one to talk about. But I'm going to give them a floor there of 2-4. and four. Against the AFC West, so we're looking at games against Denver, Kansas City, the LA Chargers, and Oakland. Uh, The floor there and the ceiling are basically the inverse of each other. I'm going to give Baltimore a ceiling there of 3-1. I think they could beat Denver. I think they could beat the Chargers. And I think they could beat Oakland. I think they probably lose to Kansas City. Well, let's, let's do it this way. I think they beat Denver and Oakland. And they beat one of either KC or the Chargers. That makes more sense. But with a 1-3 and three floor, I mean, they could lose to Kansas City very easily. KC's a good team. They could lose to the Chargers. The Chargers are a good team, and I think they're only getting better. And they could lose to one of either Denver or Oakland, realistically. I think they do get a win out of that division, but it may only be one. Now, the NFC South is probably what will ultimately decide this division because you're talking about Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. That's three really good football teams there, and Tampa Bay, who is trying to be a really good football team. But that's a tough division to have to play. It's a tough draw for a team like Baltimore, who plays really well at home, but historically struggles on the road. I think the ceiling there against the NFC South, as well as the rest of their AFC opponents, the ceiling is probably four and two. I think there's two teams there, at least in the NFC South, that Baltimore loses to, even best case scenario. So I think there's two games there that they lose. Best case, they beat the other two, and they beat their two AFC opponents. The floor there for Baltimore is the inverse of that. It's two and four. Realistically, there's three teams in the NFC South that Baltimore could lose to because they're really good football teams. So, I mean, they could lose three of those four games and then maybe split with their other two AFC opponents. So we're going to go with a two and four floor. Overall for the Ravens, I see a ceiling of 12 and four. Again, leaving the door open, they could be a double digit win team. If Lamar Jackson comes in there and absolutely starts lighting the league on fire, they could be a really dangerous, really good football team. The floor there, though, is 5-11. If they stick with Flacco and he continues to regress, this could be a rather bad football team. My final record prediction for Baltimore is I I have to go 8-8 because I don't really know what I'm going to get. It 
two vastly different stories that could be told in the Ravens regular season. It's really hard to decide which way they're ultimately going to go. If I had to decide, gun to my head, I would say, like, why would you not bring in Lamar Jackson as soon as you possibly can? But, again, I don't get to make those decisions. So I'm going to go 8-8 eight and eight because I, I, I can't really go one way or the other. We go to Cincinnati now where you have a coaching staff that may be under the gun for the longest in NFL history. It feels like this coaching staff has been like, oh, you know, they're one more loss away from getting canned for like three seasons now. So Cincinnati, 7-9 last year, just under 500, but 500 is their three-season average. The Bengals get to play back-to-back home games twice this season. Those are in weeks five and six as well as in weeks 12 and 13. They also have two stretches where they have to play back-to-back on the road. Those are in weeks three and four going into their first back-to-back homestand. And to close out the season, weeks 16 and 17. Bengals also have the week nine bye right in the meaty part of the regular season. Inside the division, I think Cincinnati's ceiling is probably four and two. I could see them, best case scenario, probably beating Cleveland twice and maybe splitting with both Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I don't think Cincinnati beats Baltimore twice. So we're going to give them a ceiling of four and two, but we're going to go with a floor of one and five because they could realistically lose both games to Pittsburgh, both games to Baltimore, and if things are really going south, they might split with the Browns. AFC West opponents for the Bengals, I'm going to give them a ceiling of two and two. I'm not willing to believe right now that Cincinnati beats either Kansas City or the Chargers, really. I think the Chargers are going to be a better team this year. So I'm not willing to believe that they beat either of those teams, but I could see them beating a Denver or an Oakland, beating like that caliber of opponent. So we're going to go with a two and two ceiling. The floor there is going to be one and three. I could see them losing not only the Kansas City and LA games, but one of those games against either Denver or Oakland. I don't think Cincinnati gets swept by the West. So we're going to go a one and three floor, same as we gave Baltimore. Now against the NFC South and the rest of their AFC opponents, I think the ceiling here is only three and three. I think best case scenario, they beat their other two AFC opponents and Tampa Bay. I don't see them beating Carolina. I don't see them beating Atlanta and I don't see them beating New Orleans. So three and three is the best case scenario. I think in that block of games for Cincinnati, the floor is one and five because I could see them maybe even losing to like a Tampa Bay or something. Tampa Bay could step up and upset them definitely. And maybe they split against their other AFC opponents or, or, or what have you. We're going to go with a one and five floor there. That floor is the lowest in the division. Overall for the Bengals, I think we're looking at a ceiling here of 9-7. and seven. I think best case scenario, they finish over 500. Worst case scenario, their floor, I'm going to go 3-13. and 13. This is a team that could absolutely fall apart. However, I do think their final record is much, much closer to the ceiling than it is to the floor. So I'm going to give them an identical record as I will Baltimore. Look, they were 7-9 and nine last season, but with another season under Joe Mixon's belt, I think he will be better. You've still got A.J. Green there. This could be, like, Cincinnati's window is 
closed to a point where you can barely see any light there, but there is still some light. So, I mean, this could be Cincinnati's last best chance to actually do something. I don't think they do, but I will give them a 500 record. Let's go exactly 8-8 eight and eight in a tie with Baltimore. Now let's talk about Cleveland, and is this the most interesting storyline in the offseason? How Cleveland seems to be quote-unquote loading up for a run at maybe trying to finish 500? You know, I kid, I kid, I jest, but at the same time, this is a team that didn't win a game last year. And a team that has averaged over the last three seasons one win per season. So, look, you have to make jokes. Browns have two stretches each where they get to play back-to-back home games and where they get to play back-to-back road games. Back-to-back home games in weeks 5 and 6, as well as in weeks 9 and 10. Back-to-back road games in weeks 7 and 8. And back-to-back road games in weeks 12 and 13. The Browns have a week 11 bye. So, inside the division against Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, I'm willing to give Cleveland a ceiling here of 3-3. Three and three. I think, best case scenario, they beat Cincinnati twice and beat one of Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Probably Baltimore. I don't think they beat any other team in this division twice. And I, I, I would be shocked if Cleveland stepped up and beat Pittsburgh. So... I'm going to give them the ceiling of three and three. The floor there is one and five. I think they get a win in this division. They've improved enough where they could like split with Cincinnati, maybe split with Baltimore, something like that. So I'm going to give them a floor of one win in the division. Against the AFC West, I'm going to give them the same ceiling that I gave Cincinnati. I mean, they could potentially go two and two. They could beat a Denver or they could beat and Oakland. Best case scenario, they would beat both of those. The floor there is 0-4 because they could lose all four of those games because it's Cleveland. So going to give them a 2-2 ceiling, but the floor is to get swept. And against the NFC South and the rest of their AFC opponents, this is where it gets really, really interesting. You know how I said I don't see Cincinnati beating either Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans? Well, I don't see Cleveland beating Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans either. I think the ceiling and the floor is exactly the same. I think it's 3-3 three and three for the ceiling, and I think it's 1-5 and five for the floor. I think right now, Cincinnati and Cleveland are more comparable than Cincinnati fans would probably be comfortable saying. But uh, I'm going to give them the same ceiling and the same floor against those teams. I think maybe Cleveland could beat like a Tampa Bay or maybe split with their AFC opponents, worst case scenario. So that's where the 1-5 and five comes from. For the Cleveland Browns, I am going to give them that ceiling of 500 football. Best case scenario, Cleveland is an 8-8 football team this season. Worst case, I do think they win a couple of games because they have made moves to get better significantly on the offensive side. So we're going to go 2-14. As far as my actual record prediction for the Cleveland Browns, let's go 5-11. So I think that's... Right in between the ceiling and the floor, you know, it's three It's three games away from each of them. So let's go 5-11. and 11. The, Look, that's more wins in one season than they've gotten in at least the last three, if not more. So I think 
If the Browns finish this season 5-11, and 11, they should be ecstatic about what they've done and what they're continuing to build towards. And we'll close off the AFC North with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last season, they were 13-3 and and champions of this division. The three-season average is 11-5, which is the best in the AFC North. Schedule makers were actually pretty easy on Pittsburgh this season. It's uh, one stretch of back-to-back home games, comes early in the season, weeks four and five, and only one stretch of back-to-back road games comes in the second half, weeks 11 and 12. Pittsburgh gets the week seven bye. Inside the AFC North, uh, Pittsburgh's ceiling here has to be 6-0. Against against this division, they the teams that they know best, they're a very obviously very good offensive football team. If they can play any semblance of defense, they could, best case scenario, go 6-0. and The floor here, I think, is 3-3. Three and three. They could conceivably maybe split with each one of these teams. It's possible that Cleveland could step up, I guess, and beat them. I guess I should probably concede that. Or maybe, worst case scenario, they might lose both games against Baltimore somehow. So I'm going to give them a floor of three and three against the AFC West. I'm going to give them a ceiling of three and one. I don't think Pittsburgh beats both Kansas city and the chargers. I think they beat one of them, but I don't think they beat both of them. They're probably going to both be good enough that one of them could take a game off of Pittsburgh floor there though. I think is two and two. I don't think either Denver or Oakland are beating Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh could conceivably lose both of those games against KC and the chargers. Now, against the NFC South and the rest of their AFC opponents, I'm going to give them a ceiling of 5-1. and one. Best case scenario, they beat both of those other AFC opponents, they beat Tampa Bay, and potentially beat two of those three killers in the NFC South. I could see them stepping to, like, Atlanta and either Carolina or New Orleans. I'm not going to go all of them because like those are just those are really good football teams. So the ceiling there I think is 5 and 1. The floor is 2 and 4. I think if things go poorly for Pittsburgh, they could lose to all three of those killers in the NFC South, probably still beat Tampa and maybe split with their other two AFC opponents. So if things go bad, you know, they could go on a 2 and 4 stretch against that division and the rest of the AFC. Overall for the Steelers, I'm going to give them a ceiling of 14 and 2, which is just below New England's ceiling, but I'm going to give them the same floor of 7 and 9. Even though Roethlisberger is getting older, even though Antonio Brown is getting older relatively for his position, Pittsburgh is still a killer in the AFC. They're still a really, really good football team. I'm going to give them double digit wins. I think they get to 11. Let's go 11 and 5 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is their three season average. And that will also be good enough to win them the AFC North in back to back years. So we're going to go 11 and 5 for Pittsburgh champions of the AFC North. Now that we're halfway through the predictions, I'm going to take the opportunity once again to plug our great friends at NerdTease, nerdtease.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. It's going to save you 15% at checkout. Free shipping in Canada on any orders over 50 bucks. If you're American, you get the great conversion on the US dollar. There's a great, great selection of teas on this website. There's a ton of great stuff all kinds of different flavor palettes, all kinds of different teas. 
Today's blend for me was strawberry power up because I got started late today, needed that extra little kick. What can I say? I need all this beauty sleep just to look mediocre. Why do you think this is a podcast? Nerdtease.ca, promo code BWFinest. Find yourself something to love and save a little money on the way. Let's go down south now. We're going to take a look at the AFC South Division. We're looking at Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and the Tennessee Titans. Jacksonville won this division last season at 10-6, a big-time turnaround for the Jags. This is also the division of who the hell is our quarterback, especially with Houston and Indianapolis. The AFC South has to play the AFC East this season, as we mentioned earlier. And as we mentioned last week, they have to play the East division in the NFC. Let's start with the Houston Texans. Got off to a really good start at the beginning of the season with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson goes down to a season-ending injury. Things basically fall apart from there. For the Texans, they finish the season 4-12. and in the basement of this division, while well, tied for the basement with Indianapolis, their three-season average is seven and nine. And before we go further, the AFC South may be the division with the most parity in football because seven and nine is the best three-season average in this division, and they're tied are Houston, Indianapolis and Tennessee. All three of those teams have a 7-9 and nine average record over the last three seasons, and it's the best in the division. You got Jacksonville. Their three-season average is only 6-10, and 10, despite being 10-6 and six last year. Houston's got a pretty favorable schedule here, all things considered. They get that coveted back-to-back-to-back home game stretch, and they get it late in the season, weeks 12-14. to 14. They play three straight, in Houston. They also get a back-to-back home stretch earlier in the season in weeks 5 and 6. The give back there is they have to start the season on the road for back-to-back games. Weeks 1 and 2, they're away from home and they get a back-to-back road stretch very late in the season, weeks 15 and 16, but by then, hopefully, I mean hopefully for the for the Texans anyway, they would have something decided in this division by that point. Houston also gets the latest bye week in this division at week 10. Inside the division, I'm going to give the Houston Texans a ceiling of 5-1. and I think best case scenario, they split with Jacksonville, who's still a really, obviously a really, really, really great defense, and they sweep everybody else. That's best case scenario for Houston, assuming a healthy Deshaun Watson and a defense that can play as well as it's capable of playing. The floor there is two and four. If Deshaun Watson struggles, they could lose both of those games against Jacksonville and then probably split against both Indianapolis and Tennessee if things go really poorly. Against the AFC East, the ceiling and the floor for Houston is inverted. I'm willing to give them a three and one ceiling. I think best case scenario, I think they still don't beat New England, but they're more than capable of beating the other three teams in the AFC East. The floor is one and three if they're struggling real bad. I think they lose to New England and probably lose to either uh, Buffalo or Miami and then probably lose to the Jets, something like that. I think they grab a win out of the division, but not more than that. 
As I mentioned, they also have to play the NFC East. So we're talking about Dallas, the New York Giants, Super Bowl champion Philadelphia, as well as Washington, who just a couple days ago, or it might have even just been yesterday, signed Adrian Peterson as a backup running back. So that's an interesting wrinkle for the Redskins. Against the NFC East and the rest of their AFC opponents, I'm willing to give Houston a ceiling of 4-2. and two. I would say like they could potentially even step to beating a team like Dallas. Probably don't beat Philly, but hey, anything is possible there. I don't think Philly's going to be as good necessarily as they were last season. So, I mean, that's certainly a possibility, best case scenario. But we're going to go ceiling of four and two. I think the floor there is two and four. I mean, they could lose to Philadelphia. They could lose to Dallas. They could potentially lose to one of the Giants or Washington, who I think are going to be probably about equal this season and then maybe split against their other AFC opponents. So we're going to go with a floor of two and four. Overall, ceiling for the Texans, I'm going to give them about a 12 and four ceiling and about a five and 11 floor. So if things go really well, I think this is a double digit win football team because they can play some defense and Deshaun Watson was tearing it up before he got hurt. So this could be an 10, 11, 12 win football team. Conversely, if Watson struggles, rusty off of his injury the defense struggles which we have seen it do at times over the last few seasons i mean it could be five six wins something like that it it could go pretty poorly but outside of another season ending injury i don't think it goes as poorly as last year and honestly this just feels like a double digit win football team to me it feels like a team that's going to win at least nine games and probably more so I think they're a lot closer to their ceiling than they are to the floor. I'm going to give the Texans a 10 and 6. I think they get to those double digits. We're going to go 10 and 6 for Houston. And that will have some playoff implications perhaps. Let's go down to Indianapolis now. An identical 4 and 12 record last season to Houston. Obviously missing Andrew Luck for the entire season. The identical 7 and 9 average over the last three. The Colts also get to play back-to-back-to-back home games. They get it in weeks 10 and 12. So again, second half of the season, which is really nice. They do get back-to-back home games as well very late in the season, weeks 15 and 16. The give back there, and it is pretty hefty, is that they have three stretches where they have to play back-to-back games away from home. Two of them coming very early in the season, weeks 2 and 3, and weeks 5 and 6. And you know what that means? Four road games in five weeks for the Indianapolis Colts. That's a hell of a stretch. And then they also have to play back-to-back games away from home, weeks 13 and 14, with a week nine bye. So while the bye position there is pretty good, week nine, nobody's going to complain about a week nine bye, I don't think. You know, that's a bad stretch of road games for a team that doesn't play particularly well on the road. Inside the division, I think Indianapolis's ceiling is probably three and three. And it's again, it's got to be kind of middling because we really don't know what we're going to get out of Andrew Luck. But I think Indianapolis is a team that could step and beat Houston, could step and beat Tennessee, could maybe even step and beat Jacksonville if Jacksonville struggles and stumbles a little bit. So we're going to go three and three on the ceiling. The floor there is one and five. I mean, they could lose both games to Jacksonville, probably lose both games to Houston. I don't think they lose both to Tennessee, so I think they probably split there, but the floor is one and five. Against the AFC East, I think the ceiling there is three and one. If they're playing as well as they could possibly play, I think they beat everybody in that division 
excepting, of course, the New England Patriots. The floor there, though, I think is one and three. They could lose to New England and then lose to two of those other three teams. I don't think they'd get swept even if things go terribly wrong. But, I mean, they may only pick up one game, worst case scenario, out of that division. You go to the, over to the NFC East now and the rest of their AFC opponents. I think the ceiling there is four and two. I look at a game like the Giants as a game that's winnable, a game like Washington, the game that's winnable. Maybe they even step to Dallas, although I think Dallas probably beats them. But the floor there is two and four. They could realistically lose to three of those four teams in the NFC East. I think overall, they probably beat either the Giants or Washington. Not both of them, but worst case, I think they beat one of them. And then maybe split against their AFC opponents, something like that. So it's an inverse. It's a four and two ceiling and a two and four floor. Overall, for the Indianapolis Colts, if it goes as well as it could go... Maybe they become a double-digit win football team. I'm going to give them a ceiling of 10-6. and six. The floor is exactly as bad as it went last season. I don't necessarily think that they've gotten worse, but, I mean, it could go just as bad as it did last year. So we're going to give them a floor of 4-12. and 12. This is another one of those situations like Baltimore where it's like there's two vastly different storylines that could realistically happen here. It's either Andrew Luck is healthy and effective or Andrew Luck is still not healthy. So it, it's really tough to project where this is going to fall, but I'm going to kind of split the difference here between the ceiling and the floor. I'm going to give Indianapolis a 7-9 and nine season. So that is a three-game improvement over last season. It's what their three-season average is. You really don't know what you're going to get from this Colts team, so that's why I'm going to go 7-9. and nine. Let's go to Jacksonville now. The Jags coming off of a division championship 10-6 and six season, which is the inverse of their three-season average at 6-10. and 10. Obviously, Jacksonville took huge steps forward last season. This is a good football team that now knows how to win on the road, Finally did prove me wrong. Jacksonville looking really good moving forward. Now Jacksonville does have that coveted three-game homestand and they get it super early in the season playing back-to-back-to-back home games in weeks two to four. Two, three, and four, they're all at home. And they also get back-to-back home games in weeks seven and eight. So from weeks two to week eight, they play five of their eight home games. Now, the give back there is they do have to play back-to-back road games in weeks 5 and 6, as well as weeks 16 and 17 to close the season, and Jacksonville's going to be in one of those London games, so they're going to have to make that London trip and play overseas. Jacksonville sits with an identical bye week to the Indianapolis Colts, being off right in the middle of the season in week 9. You didn't get to hear it because it'll be cut out of the final recording, but I literally just had to get up, walk around a little bit, and stretch. That's how much of a marathon recording session this stuff is. All right, back to Jacksonville. Inside the division, I think the Jags here have a ceiling of around 5-1. and one. I think this is, uh, you know, they could very easily beat Indianapolis twice, beat Tennessee twice, probably split with Houston because I think Houston's going to have a good season. I think that's the ceiling. I don't think they sweep the division. But the floor is the best floor of any team in this division inside the division. Worst case scenario, I think they split with everybody. So I think they beat everybody once. But everybody could potentially beat them once as well if things go as bad as it could potentially go with this Jacksonville team today. We go to the AFC East and this is the only team inside the South 
that I think has a ceiling, a legitimate ceiling, that includes being capable of beating the New England Patriots. Just because of that defense and how that defense can take over football games, I'm going to give Jacksonville a ceiling of 4-0. and Now, the opposite side of that coin is they also actually have the best floor. I think the floor against the AFC East is 2-2. Two and two. I think they could realistically lose to New England because New England's capable of beating anybody and maybe get upset by one of those other teams. It won't be more than one of those other teams, which is why this floor is going to sit at 2-2. Two and two. Then you go to the games against the NFC East and their other AFC opponents. I think the ceiling there is 5-1. The only team in the NFC East that they have to fear, outright fear, are the Philadelphia Eagles. But the floor there is 2-4, and because they could lose to Philadelphia, lose to Dallas, maybe potentially lose to their other two AFC opponents that know them a little bit better. I think that that floor, I think, is maybe a little far-fetched, but I'm still going to go with it. The floor of 2-4. and four. Overall for the Jags, I've got a ceiling here of 14-2. and two. It's the second best ceiling in the AFC, tied with Pittsburgh, just one below New England. And I'm going to give them that same floor. I think the floor, worst case scenario, this is a 7-9 and nine football team almost at 500. Overall, to end the season, I think they're going to be just the slightest little bit better in record than they were last year because now they're heading into their second season of actually, you know, being good. So I think they take another tiny step forward. I'm willing to give them an 11-5 and and, spoilers, win the division for the second straight season. I'm predicting an 11-5 and record for Jacksonville. Now back-to-back champions of the AFC South. And we're going to close things out with the Tennessee Titans. Nine and seven last season. Good for second place in this division. Three season average. Once again, seven and nine. Now, Tennessee does get to play two stretches of back-to-back home games. And they come very late in the season, which is a nice, comfortable scheduling draw for them. Back-to-back home games in weeks 13 and 14, as well as weeks 16 and 17 to close out the regular season. So, in those last five weeks of the season, four of those games get to be at home. Now, the opposite end of that, they do have to play back-to-back road games in weeks 11 and 12, and they do have to travel to London for one of those London games. Tennessee has the earliest bye week in this division, but that's still week eight. So overall, the AFC South was really gifted pretty darn good bye week positioning. Actually, now that I look at it, the whole AFC was really gifted pretty good bye weeks. The earliest bye weeks are Pittsburgh and a team in the AFC West that we'll get to that have week seven byes. No one has a bye before week seven in the AFC. Now, for the Tennessee Titans, the ceiling and the floor is inverted across the board. Inside the division, I think the ceiling is four and two. I think they may be split with Jacksonville, maybe split with Houston, and beat Indianapolis twice. That would be my ceiling projection for Tennessee. The floor, I mean, they could lose twice to Jacksonville. They could conceivably either split with both Houston and Indianapolis or maybe even lose to Houston twice. But I think the floor there is two and four. Against the AFC East, ceiling is three and one. They could beat anybody but New England. The floor is one and three. They could lose to New England and probably two of those other teams, but not lose to all of them. And then against the NFC East, it's four and two. They'll probably lose to Philadelphia. Maybe they lose to Dallas, but I mean, I think they beat the other teams. 
and the other AFC opponents they have, or the floor is two and four. Lose to Philly, lose to Dallas, lose to one of the Giants or the Redskins, but probably not both, and then maybe split against the AFC opponents. For the Tennessee Titans, I've got their ceiling at 11 and five. I'm going to leave the door open that if Marcus Mariota finally takes that step forward, if Derrick Henry is absolutely a monster, if they integrate Deion Lewis the way he should be integrated, if the defense plays as well, especially in the secondary, as it's capable of playing with the big names that they have, this could be a double-digit win football team. Definitely. And it could certainly challenge for a playoff spot. Maybe even challenge Jacksonville for the division. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, Mariota doesn't take that step forward. The offense struggles with Derrick Henry. The defense struggles, which we've seen it do uh, on occasion, I, I guess. certainly. Let's ask Keith Bailey how the, uh, how the defense has struggled on occasion. And it, it, this could be a five-win football team. Could be w- way worse than it went last season. I got to split the difference there and I've got to go eight and eight because it's another situation. Like this division is so tough to predict where it's two extremely possible storylines that are basically diametrically opposed to each other. So I'm only going to go eight and eight. Uh, I think that would be fine for Tennessee. Sure, it's technically a step back from last season, but you're still finishing 500. So I'm going to go eight and eight for Tennessee. Here we go, folks. Final division, the AFC West. We're looking at Denver, Kansas City, the LA Chargers, as well as Oakland. Now, the AFC West has to play the AFC North. So they get to play Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. They also have to play the West in the NFC. So Arizona, the LA Rams, San Francisco, and Seattle. Let's start with the Denver Broncos, 5-11 last season, which is pretty far down from their three-season average, which is just over 500 at 9-7. and seven. Not the most favorable scheduling for the Denver Broncos, but they do get a pretty decent buy position. They got to play back-to-back home games to start the season, weeks one and two. That's a good feeling when you're Denver and you've got one of the toughest buildings to win in as a road team. So you get to start the season off probably on a good foot. But you do have to play back-to-back road games in weeks seven and eight, as well as weeks 13 and 14. So you get that one stretch later on in the season. Pretty favorable by position, though, at week 10. Inside the division, so in their games against Kansas City, the Chargers, and Oakland, I think the ceiling there is probably 4-2. and two. I think best-case scenario, Denver could split with Kansas City, probably split with the Chargers, and beat Oakland twice. So we're going to go 4-2 and two as the ceiling for Denver. The floor is one and five. They could get swept by KC, swept by the Chargers, and maybe worst case scenario, probably split with Oakland. I think they probably beat Oakland at least once. Now against the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincy, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. I think best case scenario, Denver and that defense, they're capable of beating anybody in that division that's not Pittsburgh. So we're gonna go with a ceiling of three and one the floor there is one and three and this will be a spoiler the floor is one and three for every team in this division which basically is you could lose to pittsburgh you could lose to baltimore and you could lose to one of either cincinnati or cleveland 
Now, Denver versus the NFC West. We're talking about a ceiling of probably four and two when you take into account the other two AFC teams that they have to play this season. Probably looking at like four and two best case scenario. I could see them beating Arizona. I could see them beating Seattle, who I think is going to struggle this season. I could maybe even see them beating San Francisco and then maybe splitting with the AFC opponents. But the floor there is one and five. They could realistically lose any of those games, lose to everybody in the NFC West, and maybe split with the AFC opponents. I'm willing to give them, worst case scenario, a game in there, but not willing to go higher than that for the floor. For the Denver Broncos, I've got a ceiling of 11 and five. Leave the door open that maybe they could be a 10-win team if they figure out the quarterback position and that defense absolutely balls out. I feel like they've gotten even better. So, I mean, they do that. They could be a double-digit win team again. Or things could go worse than they went last season. If the defense doesn't do that, you start getting some injuries, man games missed, they can't figure out the quarterback position. This could be a three-win football team or a four-win team. In general, I get the feeling that if Denver's going to take a step forward this season, it's not going to be a big one. My prediction for them is going to be 6-10. and 10. So that is a step forward. They win one more game than they did before. They've got to get the quarterback position figured out. They don't have that position figured out. I don't think they're going to take that significant step forward. That's still a really good defense, but that was a really good defense last year, and they still only won five games. So we're going to go 6-10, and 10, and yeah, it's a bit of a step forward for Denver. Let's look at Kansas City. Talk about the Chiefs. They won this division last season at 10 and six, one game better than the Chargers, and their three-season average sits at 11 and five, which is a couple of games the best in that division. A lot of give and take in Kansas City's schedule as well. They get to play back-to-back home games in weeks seven and eight, as well as weeks 14 and 15, so they get that stretch late in the season. However, they do have to start the season on the road, back-to-back road games weeks one and two, and they play in that Mexico City game as well. The Chiefs also have the latest bye week in the NFL this season, along with the LA Rams, that last bye week in week 12. If it were me, I wouldn't want to have to play 11 football games before I get the chance to take a break. Inside the AFC West, I think Kansas City's ceiling is 5-1. I think they could sweep Denver and sweep Oakland. And best case scenario, probably split with the Chargers, who again, I think are going to be better this year. The floor is 1-5. I could conceivably see Kansas City if things go terribly for them. Maybe Kareem Hunt gets hurt. Patrick Mahomes regresses big time, what have you. They could lose both games to the Chargers. Lose maybe both games to... Oakland and then maybe split with Denver something like that that's absolute worst case scenario for the Chiefs against the AFC North I think the ceiling like I mentioned is three and one I think the floor is one and three ceiling three and one I think they beat anybody in the AFC North not named Pittsburgh I don't think they beat Pittsburgh the floor like we mentioned one and three across the board for this division Against the NFC West and the rest of their AFC opponents, I think the ceiling there is 5-1. I think they could beat anybody in the NFC West, not named the Rams. And AFC, I think Kansas City is capable of beating almost anybody else in the AFC. So I'm going to give them a ceiling of 5-1. The floor there 
is going to be two and four because they could lose to LA. They could lose to a Seattle. They might even lose to a San Francisco and or an Arizona. And then it would all depend on how those other two games against AFC opponents go, but it could go poorly. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I have a ceiling of 13 and 3 and a floor of 4 and 12. Now, as far as KC goes, I do think they're closer to their ceiling than they are to their floor. I This, again, feels like a double-digit win football team to me, kind of like I said with Jacksonville. They just feel like a double-digit team to me. So I'm going to give them double digits. I'm going to give them 10-6. and six. It's what they had last season, just a little bit below the average. I think they're right around that same team that played last season. Hopefully Kareem Hunt continues to play the way he did, maybe even takes a step forward, although how could you when you, I think, led the league in rushing. So look, they're a 10-6 football team, and I'm going to hold off saying anything about this division playoffs-wise. Let's talk about the LA Chargers. 9-7 last season, a far cry better than their 6-10 average over the last three. Now, the Chargers do have to play, or do get to play, I should say, back-to-back home games twice this season. They got two stretches, one in the early season, one in the latter season. Back-to-back home games in weeks four and five, and in weeks 11 and 12, which has to feel pretty good. Although, they do have to play back-to-back road games weeks two and three, heading into that first back-to-back home stretch. Weeks nine and 10, heading into that second back-to-back home stretch. And the Chargers do have to go to London to play one of those games overseas. That might be mitigated just a little bit by the fact that they do get a bye in week eight. Go across the board, the projections, ceilings, floors in the division against the AFC North and against the NFC West and the rest are exactly the same as the Kansas City Chiefs. Inside the division, five and one ceiling, one and five floor. Against the AFC North, three and one ceiling, one and three floor against the NFC West and the rest of their AFC opponents, five and one ceiling, two and four floor. Basically, whatever I said about Kansas City, just scratch out Kansas City and say the Chargers. And I basically feel the exact same way. This is why I didn't want to talk about anything playoff implication until we talked about the Chargers, because with the Chargers and the Chiefs, even with the injury to Hunter Henry that's going to leave him out all year. That's just, they just have to figure out the tight end position. They can do that. I think they can probably do that in-house even. So I think that's going to be fine. So even taking that injury into account, I think the Chargers have a 13-3 and ceiling and a 4-12 and floor, exactly the same as Kansas City. I think they finish the season with a double-digit 10-6 and record, the same as Kansas City which is why I didn't want to say anything about playoff implications. But here you go with the two teams that had the exact same record at 10 and six, my division champion for the AFC West are the Los Angeles chargers. It's going to go down. It's going to take some tiebreakers, but I think the chargers get it. I just feel like the chargers are just that tiniest little bit the better football team, the more experienced football team. That's why I'm giving the Chargers the edge. You heard it here first. The Chargers dethrone Kansas City and win the division. 
And we're going to finish up this conversation by talking about the Oakland Raiders. 6-10 and 10 last season. Obviously some, some inconsistency from the offense and the defense. It's below their three-season average, which kind of treads water in and of itself. It's only 8-8. Eight and eight. Not a very good schedule for Oakland this season either, I'll be perfectly honest. They get one stretch where they get to play back-to-back home games. That's in weeks 13 and 14. But... They have to play back-to-back road games weeks 2 and 3, as well as weeks 11 and 12. They have to go to London for one of those overseas games, and they get that bad bye week, week 7. I shouldn't say it's a bad bye week, but it is an early one. I think Oakland compares much closer to Denver than it does to anybody else that's in this division, although I do think Oakland's floor is a little bit higher than is Denver's. You look inside the division, I think Oakland's ceiling here is four and two. I think they could split with each of the Chiefs and the Chargers, and best case scenario, probably beat Denver twice. But the floor there is one and five. They could lose both games to Kansas City, lose both games to the Chargers, and probably split the home and home with Denver. That's a one and five floor. Against the AFC North, I think they have the lowest ceiling against that division. I think their ceiling there is only 2-2. I don't think they're beating Pittsburgh. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think they're beating Baltimore. I think best case scenario, they beat Cleveland and they beat Cincinnati. And that's it. The floor there is 1-3 because I could see them losing to either Cincinnati or Cleveland. I don't think they lose both of those games, but I could conceivably see them losing one of them. And against the NFC West, which once again has some good teams in it, I think the ceiling is 4-2 and two along with the other AFC opponents. Because you look at the NFC West, I could see Oakland potentially beating Seattle. I could see them beating one of Arizona or San Francisco, probably not both of them. I don't think they're beating the Rams. And I think they could potentially beat both of the other AFC opponents that they have to play. Sorry about that. So four and two is the ceiling, but two and four is the floor because they could easily, again, lose to the Rams, which I think they're going to do. I mean, they could lose to Seattle. They could lose to Sam. They could lose to anybody in this division. And then again, kind of middling against their AFC opponents as well. So, I mean, I guess maybe that floor is even a little generous for Oakland, but I'm going to stick with it at two and four. If Derek Carr plays like Derek Carr can play, I leave the door slightly, just slightly ajar for a 10-6 and six season. And remember, this is the team I had going to the AFC Super Bowl last season to play Green Bay. Boy, did that prediction ever not work out. But I'm going to give them a ceiling of 10-6. and six. I think the floor here is only like 4-12. and 12. Things could go worse than they went for Oakland last season. You could definitely see something like that happening. And I'm going to go middle of the road with this team. I think they take a step forward. I think they're closer to their ceiling than they are to their floor. But I think this is only a 500 football team. So I'm only willing to give them a projected 8-8 record. All right, folks, those are your complete AFC predictions for each division. We'll just go over here one more time. In the AFC East, I've got New England winning the division at 12-4. and I've got the Jets finishing 7-9, and and the Bills and Miami both finishing 6-10. and AFC North, I've got Pittsburgh repeating as AFC North division champions. Going to give them an 11-5 and record. We got Baltimore and Cincinnati both at 8-8. Eight and eight. And Cleveland 
pick up five wins this season. I'm giving them five and 11. In the AFC South, I've got Jacksonville repeating as division champion, taking a slight step forward, finishing at 11 and 5. I've got Houston finishing 10 and 6, Tennessee at 8 and 8, Indianapolis pulling up the rear at 7 and 9, still a step forward for them. And in the AFC West, which may be the most exciting division in terms of who will actually win the division, I've got the LA Chargers winning the division at 10 and 6. I've got Kansas City tying with them at 10 and 6 but losing on a tiebreaker, Oakland at 8 and 8, Denver slight step forward at 6 and 10. So obviously that leaves us with again division champions of New England, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville and the LA Chargers. You'll note we had two other teams in there that finished with 10 wins each and those are your two wild card teams. I'm going to give the wild card one spot to the Kansas City Chiefs based on the fact that I have them with a higher ceiling than I do the wild card two team, which is the Houston Texans. I've got Houston making the playoffs at 10 and 6 as the wild card two seed. So those are your playoff teams projected in the AFC. All right, folks, that is going to do it for part three of episode zero for the 2018-2019 NFL Pick Show regular season and playoffs. These are marathon episodes. What do you think of my AFC predictions? Where do you love them? Where do you hate them? How do you think the playoff picture is going to look in the AFC this season? And make sure you come back for next week because it's the final episode, the final part of episode zero it's part four and what that is is my full playoff prediction based on my regular season predictions and it's going to be a little q a we did this exact same thing last year i answered some football related and even some non-football related questions before we did the playoff predictions. so look if you have questions for me, something you want me to address, something you want me to talk about, something you want to hear my opinion on based on football, based on any other sport, based on anything else. If you've got questions, I've got answers. So hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Facebook if you've got me, hit me up in the comments section below. I want some questions. I want to know what you guys want to hear about, what you want to hear me talk about. I'll come up with some stuff to talk about for you. So. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. I'm losing my voice. I got to work today. Let's get this episode up so I can rest. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the predictions both for the NFC and the AFC. Make sure you come back next week where I, once again, fueled by my lovely nerd tees, will take on some playoff predictions which will end with my Super Bowl champion for 2019. See you then.